0: Introduction The Blame Game Proverb 4:23, NIV, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Are you playing the blame game? Is it always someone else's fault? Does your favorite excuse in life says, if they would have not done this, I would not have done that? If you've answered yes to this question, then you are playing the blame game. The blame game is a very dangerous game to play, because it keeps us from seeing our own issues in life and it causes us to blame others for the issues which flow from own heart. The blame game is a game of deception and deceit. It opens the doors in our lives to pride and fear. Pride and fear are power twins which work together hand in hand. Pride helps us to justify our wrong behaviors by blaming others for our actions and reactions. The spirit of fear causes us to be afraid to admit our wrong actions because we tend to fear what others will think more than what God thinks. Pride will cause us to hold on to the lie called, it's always someone else's fault, simply because we're too prideful to admit, and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Pride is a work of our flesh which is motivated and influenced by the spirit of fear. Pride is what causes one to fear the opinion of men more than the opinion of God which in turn causes us to be a servant of men rather than a servant of God. The pride of life will always cause us to be afraid to confess our own faults as long as we fail to realize that what we do is not who we are, but a sinful act in which we've allowed our evil flesh to commit. As long as we continue to judge ourselves based upon what we do, pride, fear and condemnation will always be able to operate in our lives. What we do is not who we are. We are who God says we are and not the sin in which we allow our flesh to commit. Our works of the flesh does not describe who we are, it only displays a sinful behavior. Our righteousness is not based upon what we do or the works or behaviors of our flesh. Our righteousness is based upon what Jesus Christ has already done and this is why we say, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in right standing with God because Jesus Christ became our living sacrifice and pay a debt we could not pay. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and God sees us washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. This is how God is able to forgive us. He does not see our fleshly behavior as being who we are, but a sinful act in which we allow our flesh to commit. Yes God does hate sin, but not us. So admit your part, confess your part, and quit your part so you can walk free of guilt and condemnation having a clear conscience before God. chapter one the blame game proverb 423 niv above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it are you playing the blame game is it always someone else's fault does your favorite excuse in life says if they would have not done this i would not have done that if you've answered yes to this question then you are playing the blame game the blame game is a very dangerous game to play because it keeps us from seeing our own issues in life and it causes us to blame others for the issues which flow from own heart. The blame game is a game of deception and deceit. It opens the doors in our lives to pride and fear. Pride and fear are power twins which work together hand in hand. Pride helps us to justify our wrong behaviors by blaming others for our actions and reactions. The spirit of fear causes us to be afraid to admit our wrong actions because we tend to fear what others will think more than what God thinks. Pride will cause us to hold onto the lie called, it's always someone else's fault, simply because we're too prideful to admit, and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Pride is a work of our flesh which is motivated and influenced by the spirit of fear. Pride is what causes one to fear the opinion of men more than the opinion of God which in turn causes us to be a servant of men rather than a servant of God. The pride of life will always cause us to be afraid to confess our own faults as long as we fail to realize that what we do is not who we are, but a sinful act in which we've allowed our evil flesh to commit. As long as we continue to judge ourselves based upon what we do, pride, fear and condemnation will always be able to operate in our lives. What we do is not who we are. We are who God says we are and not the sin in which we allow our flesh to commit. Our works of the flesh does not describe who we are, it only displays a sinful behavior. Our righteousness is not based upon what we do or the works or behaviors of our flesh. Our righteousness is based upon what Jesus Christ has already done and this is why we say, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in right standing with God because Jesus Christ became our living sacrifice and pay a debt we could not pay. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and God sees us washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. This is how God is able to forgive us. He does not see our fleshly behavior as being who we are, but a sinful act in which we allow our flesh to commit. Yes God does hate sin, but not us. So admit your part, confess your part, and quit your part so you can walk free of guilt and condemnation having a clear conscience before God. Chapter 2 Confessing Our Own Faults James 5 16, NIV, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We are to confess our own faults so we can be free from the issues which are flowing out of our own individual hearts so we can be healed and not the faults of others. What are the issues which are flowing from your heart? If we want to find the issues which are hidden in your heart simply look at the issues which are in your life. Is anger an issue in your life? Is envy an issue in your life? Is addiction an issue in your life? If so, who or what are you blaming for your issues? Did the devil make you do it? If we will find the wise in our lives, we will find the devil lies in lives in which he is using to hold minds captive in that particular area of our lives. Every area in our lives in which we are struggling to overcome a sin issue, is an area in our lives in which we are believing the devil's lie. If we will find the truth in God's word concerning our issue and replace the devil's lie with his truth, we can be set free from the devil's lie which is holding our minds captive because it's the truth in God's word which will set us free from the devil's lies. John eight thirty two. for example when an individual abuses another person verbally or physically and blames the person who they abused for their abusive behavior, this is one of the lie in which the enemy of their soul is telling them to justify their wrong fleshly behavior called control and anger. Until we're willing to admit or confess our own works of the flesh, pride will always be there to justify our wrong behaviors, because it will always be someone else's fault. We must be willing to admit our own faults before we can ever quit them. Instead of blaming others for own issues, what's the worst could happen if we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and admit our own faults by simply saying, I was wrong? Why are we so afraid to admit, that our flesh is not perfect? Whenever we confess our faults and admit what we did or said, was wrong, and receive God's forgiveness for our sins, it will help us to become free from the lie called deceit and pride. Confessing our own faults will also help us to grow spiritually in Jesus Christ and to become mature responsible individual in life as well. It takes a mature humble person to admit their own faults and to own their own issues. If you're ready to deal with the real issues and motives in your life, then let's get started, because it's time to quit justifying our fleshly sinful behaviors and blaming others for our own issues of anger, outburst of rage, unforgiveness, adultery, fornication, rude and disrespectful pious behavior. At the end of the day and the beginning of the day, we need to ask ourselves the same two questions God asked Adam in the Garden of Eden. God asked Adam, where are you? And he asked Eve what is this you have done? Adam blamed God and Eve for his disobedient actions and Eve blamed the serpent for her act of disobedience to God. Who are you blaming for the sin issues in your own life? Who are you blaming for your acts of disobedience? Did the devil make you do it? Not unless you're demon-possessed. Did your spouse make you do it? There's one thing I have found to be true, as long as we continue to play the blame game. We will never be able to be free from the lies and deceptions which holds our hearts and mind blinded and captive to the lies and issues which flows out of our own individual hearts and into the lives of those around us i know you thought it was everyone else's fault which made you scream yell cuss and shout and throw fits of rage but the truth of this matter is we have a choice as to how we respond to others actions and the issues which we have in our own individual lives are flowing from what's inside our own individual hearts this is why Proverbs 4:23 tells us to guard our own hearts, because out of it flows the issues of our life. Our flesh's issues are able to manifest because of the lies believed with our heart and mind. We must renew our minds to God's word before we can change our fleshly behavior to live God's way because our actions are being motivated by what we believe. Whenever we use others actions as an excuse for our own bad reactions of strife and confusion, it's really a display of the issues which are coming out of our own individual heart called pride chapter 2 confessing our own faults James 5:16, NIV therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We are to confess our own faults so we can be free from the issues which are flowing out of our own individual hearts so we can be healed and not the faults of others. What are the issues which are flowing from your heart? If we want to find the issues which are hidden in your heart, simply look at the issues which are in your life. Is anger an issue in your life? Is envy an issue in your life? Is addiction an issue in your life, if so? Who or what are you blaming for your issues? Did the devil make you do it? If we will find the wise in our lives, we will find the devil lies in lives in which he is using to hold minds captive in that particular area of our lives. Every area in our lives in which we are struggling to overcome a sin issue, is an area in our lives in which we are believing the devil's lie. If we will find the truth in God's word concerning our issue and replace the devil's lie with his truth we can be set free from the devil's lie which is holding our minds captive because it's the truth in God's Word which will set us free from the devil's lies John 8:32. for example when an individual abuses another person verbally or physically and blames the person who they abused for their abusive behavior this is one of the lie in which the enemy of their soul is telling them to justify their wrong fleshly behavior called control and anger until we're willing to admit or confess our own works of the flesh Pride will always be there to justify our wrong behaviors, because it will always be someone else's fault. We must be willing to admit our own faults before we can ever quit them. Instead of blaming others for own issues, what's the worst could happen if we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and admit our own faults by simply saying, I was wrong? Why are we so afraid to admit that our flesh is not perfect? Whenever we confess our faults and admit what we did or said was wrong, and receive God's forgiveness for our sins, it will helps us to become free from the lie called deceit and pride. Confessing our own faults will also help us to grow spiritually in Jesus Christ and to become mature responsible individual in life as well. It takes a mature humble person to admit their own faults and to own their own issues. If you're ready to deal with the real issues and motives in your life, then let's get started because it's time to quit justifying our fleshly sinful behaviors and blaming others for our own issues of anger, outburst of rage, unforgiveness, adultery, fornication, rude and disrespectful pious behavior. At the end of the day and the beginning of the day, we need to ask ourselves the same two questions God asked Adam in the Garden of Eden. God asked Adam, where are you? And he asked Eve, what is this you have done? Adam blamed God and Eve for his disobedient actions and Eve blamed the serpent for her act of disobedience to God. Who are you blaming for the sin issues in your own life? Who are you blaming for your acts of disobedience? Did the devil make you do it? Not unless you're demon-possessed. Did your spouse make you do it? There's one thing I have found to be true, as long as we continue to play the blame game, we will never be able to be free from the lies and deceptions which holds our hearts and mind blinded and captive to the lies and issues which flows out of our own individual hearts and into the lives of those around us. I know you thought it was everyone else's fault which made you scream, yell, cuss and shout, and throw fits of rage, but the truth of this matter is, we have a choice as to how we respond to others' actions and the issues which we have in our own individual lives are flowing from what's inside our own individual hearts. This is why Proverbs 4:23 tells us to guard our own hearts, because out of it flows the issues of our life. Our flesh's issues are able to manifest because of the lies believed with our heart and mind. We must renew our minds to God's word before we can change our fleshly behavior to live God's way because our actions are being motivated by what we believe. Whenever we use others actions as an excuse for our own bad reactions of strife and confusion, it's really a display of the issues which are coming out of our own individual heart called pride. Chapter 5 The Effects of Unforgiveness Matthew 6:14, NIV, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. Holding unforgiveness against someone will cause us to walk in darkness and deception, because it's a sin not to forgive. Jesus clearly tells us, if we do not forgive others of their sins, his Father in heaven will not forgive us of our sins. Unforgiveness will cause our minds to be tormented day and night like it did the unmerciful servant who refused to forgive in Matthews 18, 35. It's important for us to remember. That when unforgiveness comes to knock at the door of our heart to answer it by saying we did not die to pay for anyone's sins and therefore we do not have the right to hold their sin against them we all owed a debt which we could not pay and Jesus paid it all with his life and his blood which cleanses us from all unrighteousness unforgiveness is the seed which produces the root of bitterness which in turn will produce bitter fruit in our lives and defile those around Luke 6:37. do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn And you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven if you've ever encountered a bitter person it's because they've refused to forgive and have allowed a root of bitterness to be planted in their heart by the enemy wherever you find unforgiveness you will always find bitterness hatred strife confusion anger and murder because these all work together do not hold on to others sin because whatever you hold on to will hold on to you The same judgment you use to judge someone else's sin will be measured back unto you, this is why Jesus tells us to judge not therefore we will not be judged for with the same measure you use to judge someone else, it will be measured by unto you. For example, I heard of a woman whose spouse cheated on her and she refused to forgive him. She told others, how she would never cheat with another woman's husband, but what she did do, was sleep with another man other than her spouse as attempt to seek vengeance. She did the very same thing in which she refused to forgive her husband for, she too committed adultery. The same sin of adultery which she refused to forgive her husband for, came back to meet her because she refused to release it by forgiving him. Although he was wrong for committing adultery, she became wrong for her sin of adultery and unforgiveness also. As a result, she got what she was holding on to. We must forgive others of their sins against us, so it does not take root inside your heart. And produce a root of bitterness. The longer we hold on to unforgiveness, the greater the consequences will be in our own individual lives. Holding on to unforgiveness will eventually cause you to produce a root of bitter, which in turn will cause you to sow bitter seed into the lives of those you come in contact with, by telling others bad things about the person who sin against you. A root of bitterness wants vengeance. It produces hatred, strife, envy, confusion, gossip, backbiting, and can sometimes lead to murder when an individual refuses to forgive. It's important for us to remember when at times to forgive others, that it was their sin against you and it's not ours to carry. Jesus has already died for our sins and those who have sinned against us. We must receive God's forgiveness for ourselves first, before we can extend it to those who have wrongly sinned against us. If we do not forgive, we will not be able to receive God's forgiveness for ourselves because Satan will use his accusations of guilt and condemnation to make you feel as if you have committed the unpardonable sin. I know, it does not sound fair, that we should have to forgive because you were the one violated while you were minding your own business, but I have news for you, Jesus was minding his own business when our sins came upon him. He was crucified because of our sins and he still asked his Father to forgive us for our sins and we too must ask God to forgive those who have sinned against us, so we can be free to move on with our lives. If the person who offended you, never says they're sorry or never ask for your forgiveness, you must still remember, that they're not asking you for forgiveness or saying sorry to you, is between them and God and it's their sin issue to carry not yours. They will have to give an account to God for their own actions and reactions and we will have to give an account for our actions and reactions. Chapter 5 The Effects of Unforgiveness Matthew 6:14, NIV, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. Holding unforgiveness against someone will cause us to walk in darkness and deception, because it's a sin not to forgive. Jesus clearly tells us, if we do not forgive others of their sins, his Father in heaven will not forgive us of our sins. Unforgiveness will cause our minds to be tormented day and night like it did the unmerciful servant who refused to forgive in Matthews 18, 35. It's important for us to remember that when unforgiveness comes to knock at the door of our heart to answer it by saying we did not die to pay for anyone's sins and therefore we do not have the right to hold their sin against them we all owed a debt which we could not pay and Jesus paid it all with his life and his blood which cleanses us from all unrighteousness unforgiveness is the seed which produces the root of bitterness which in turn will produce bitter fruit in our lives and defile those around luke 6:37 do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. If you've ever encountered a bitter person it's because they've refused to forgive and have allowed a root of bitterness to be planted in their heart by the enemy. Wherever you find unforgiveness, you will always find bitterness, hatred, strife, confusion, anger, and murder, because these all work together. Do not hold on to others sin, because whatever you hold on to will hold on to you the same judgment you use to judge someone else's sin will be measured back unto you, this is why Jesus tells us to judge not therefore we will not be judged for with the same measure you use to judge someone else, it will be measured by unto you. For example, I heard of a woman whose spouse cheated on her and she refused to forgive him. She told others, how she would never cheat with another woman's husband, but what she did do, was sleep with another man other than her spouse as attempt to seek vengeance. She did the very same thing in which she refused to forgive her husband for, she too committed adultery. The same sin of adultery which she refused to forgive her husband for, came back to meet her because she refused to release it by forgiving him. Although he was wrong for committing adultery, she became wrong for her sin of adultery and unforgiveness also. As a result, she got what she was holding to. We must forgive others of their sins against us, so it does not take root inside your heart. And produce a root of bitterness. The longer we hold on to unforgiveness, the greater the consequences will be in our own individual lives. Holding on to unforgiveness will eventually cause you to produce a root of bitter, which in turn will cause you to sow bitter seed into the lives of those you come in contact with, by telling others bad things about the person who sin against you. A root of bitterness wants vengeance. It produces hatred, strife, envy, confusion, gossip, backbiting, and can sometimes lead to murder when an individual refuses to forgive. It's important for us to remember when at times to forgive others, that it was their sin against you and it's not ours to carry. Jesus has already died for our sins and those who have sinned against us. We must receive God's forgiveness for ourselves first, before we can extend it to those who have wrongly sinned against us. If we do not forgive, we will not be able to receive God's forgiveness for ourselves because Satan will use his accusations of guilt and condemnation to make you feel as if you have committed the unpardonable sin. I know, it does not sound fair, that we should have to forgive because you were the one violated while you were minding your own business, but I have news for you, Jesus was minding his own business when our sins came upon him. He was crucified because of our sins and He still asked His Father to forgive us for our sins and we too must ask God to forgive those who have sinned against us, so we can be free to move on with our lives. If the person who offended you, never says they're sorry or never ask for your forgiveness, you must still remember, that they're not asking you for forgiveness or saying sorry to you, is between them and God and it's their sin issue to carry not yours. They will have to give an account to God for their own actions and reactions, and we will have to give an account for our actions and reactions. Chapter 7 Learning to Trust God Proverbs 3:5, NLT, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Before we can trust in a God who we cannot see, we must spend time getting to know the God in whom we say we believe. Although God and His Word is one, we must still take time to delight ourselves in His presence through prayer, praise and worship so we can learn to walk in fellowship with the God who wrote and spoke the Word, so Jesus can become the Lord of our lives. If we want to follow Jesus and allow Him to be Lord over our lives, We must give up our way of doing things for his way of life. We must say no to our will and yes to his. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say. The same way we spend time getting to know others, through fellowship is the same way we get to know our Heavenly Father. The more we grow in our relationship with him, the easier it will be able to trust him. Knowing the word and having a relationship with the God who wrote the word is two different things. For example, The teachers of the Law knew the Law, but whenever the God of the Law manifested Himself in the flesh through His Son Christ Jesus, they did not recognize Him. The Word was made flesh and it dwelt amongst them and they did not recognize the God who had not only spoken the Word, but who had also manifested Himself in their very presence through miracles, signs, and wonders. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the Law, esteemed their man-made traditions above God's commandments. They had religion, but they did not have a relationship with the God who wrote the law. It's so important, that we have a living relationship with our living Heavenly Father, so we will be able to recognize Him when He manifests Himself in our very presence. Jesus is real and He must be real to us before we will ever be able to trust in God's Word. When we're not able to trust God, it will always be impossible for us love God, which should always be our motivation for serving Him. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will obey me. I always tell others, if you don't know him, you can't love him. The same way we want others to serve us out of love and a grateful heart and attitude, is the same motive God wants us to have whenever we serve him. This is one reason why God tells us to be cheerful givers and not to give grudgingly, because our heart attitude will determine as to whether he accepts our gift or not. God placed things in this natural earth for us to clearly see that he exists such as the sky, moon, stars, planets, oceans, and the seas, so man will be without excuse on Judgment Day. See Roman 1:20. it's important to always have an attitude of gratitude toward God so we can always be conscious of his presence and not become prideful and forget the God who gives us our very breath to breathe, for without him, we can do absolutely nothing and without faith in him it's impossible to please him or to believe in him. Let us remember to always look for the good things in our day, so we can see God who is so very good in our day, for every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father above. Whatsoever things are true, lovely, and honorable, if it's praiseworthy or of a good report, think on these things and you will have a positive peaceful God day. Chapter 8 Understanding the Process of Change Romans 12, 1, 2, NIV Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is His good, pleasing and perfect will. I've heard people say, I am going to change, no more smoking, drinking, getting high or going to jail, I am not going to repeat the same cycle in my life. My heart goes out to these individuals, who say these things, because I know, they must change their way of thinking before change will manifest in their lives. I've seen so many people frustrated because they wanted to change and did not know how. The devil had their minds held by the lies they believed concerning the addiction. Whatever area in our lives in which our flesh is in control, is an area in our life where we're believing a lie and living a lie. Before we can ever be free from the lies in which the enemy tells us, we must renew our mind to God's truth see Romans 12 1, 2 because it is the truth which will set us free from the devil's lies. If we will walk in line with God's Word, we will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. We will not do the things which are contrary to God's Word. Walking in the Spirit is walking in God's love, C1COR 13-4-8 Love is the fulfillment of the law. Whenever we walk in God's love, we will not want to do or say the evil things that our flesh wants us to do or say, because God's love is completely opposite to our fleshly sin nature. Walking in God's love is how we overcome the lust of our flesh. It will not happen by us simply saying, to ourselves, today, I am not going to cuss, lie, cheat, steal, smoke, drink fornicate or anything else, it's simply about meditating and concentrating on God's love and renewing our minds to God's truth so we can find our new identity in Jesus Christ. If we spend our days trying not to sin, we place ourselves in the position of trying to keep the law in which Jesus Christ has already fulfilled. Without the grace of God and faith in what Jesus Christ has already done, we cannot keep our flesh from sinning. It's not mind over our matters, but God's truth concerning our matters we must remember we can only do all things through Christ who strengthens us and without faith grace and mercy we will fail in our own fleshly attempts to rule over sin in our lives it's important for us to remember that our deliverance is not based upon what we do or don't do but it's based upon what Jesus Christ has already done We must begin to see ourselves free from sin according to God's word by identifying with what Jesus Christ has already done for us while he was in the earth. We can start out by believing that sin no longer has dominion over us, because we have been born again of incorruptible seed. We can remind ourselves that no matter what we feel like, we are still in right standing with God because of what Jesus did and not because of what we did, because, he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 5 21 NKJV we do not have to allow our fleshly sinful nature to rule over us if we continue to walk in the love of God because God's love does not seek its own vengeance by repaying evil for evil we are born again of incorruptible seed we are born again with the spirit of God living inside of us we must see ourselves in Christ Jesus as being crucified together with Christ sitting in heavenly places together with him by faith we must remember whenever we accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts that we became new creatures in Christ Jesus spiritually and old things passed away all things have become new on the inside of us because our spirit is new and we have a new heart filled with God's desires see 2 Corinthians 5:17. God wants us to learn how to walk in the spirit or in his love so we will not fulfill the lust of our fleshly sinful nature through the process of renewing our minds to God's Word. See Romans 12, 1, 2. Chapter 8 Understanding the Process of Change Romans 12, 1, 2, NIV, Therefore, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. I've heard people say, I am going to change, no more smoking, drinking, getting high or going to jail. I am not going to repeat the same cycle in my life. My heart goes out to these individuals, who say these things, because I know, they must change their way of thinking before change will manifest in their lives. I've seen so many people frustrated because they wanted to change and did not know how. The devil had their minds held by the lies they believed concerning the addiction. Whatever area in our lives, in which our flesh is in control, is an area in our life. Where we're believing a lie and living a lie. Before we can ever be free from the lies in which the enemy tells us, we must renew our mind to God's truth see Romans 12 1, 2 because it is the truth which will set us free from the devil's lies. If we will walk in line with God's Word, we will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. We will not do the things which are contrary to God's Word. Walking in the Spirit is walking in God's love see 1 Cor 13-4-8 love is the fulfillment of the law whenever we walk in god's love we will not want to do or say the evil things that our flesh wants us to do or say because god's love is completely opposite to our fleshly sin nature walking in god's love is how we overcome the lust of our flesh it will not happen by us simply saying to ourselves today i am not going to cuss lie cheat steal smoke drink fornicate or anything else It's simply about meditating and concentrating on God's love and renewing our minds to God's truth so we can find our new identity in Jesus Christ. If we spend our days trying not to sin, we place ourselves in the position of trying to keep the law in which Jesus Christ has already fulfilled. Without the grace of God and faith in what Jesus Christ has already done, we cannot keep our flesh from sinning. It's not mind over our matters, but God's truth concerning our matters. We must remember we can only do all things through Christ who strengthens us and without faith, grace and mercy, we will fail in our own fleshly attempts to rule over sin in our lives. It's important for us to remember that our deliverance is not based upon what we do or don't do, but it's based upon what Jesus Christ has already done. We must begin to see ourselves free from sin according to God's word by identifying with what Jesus Christ has already done for us while he was in the earth we can start out by believing that sin no longer has dominion over us because we have been born again of incorruptible seed we can remind ourselves that no matter what we feel like we are still in right standing with god because of what jesus did and not because of what we did because he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of god in christ jesus according to 2 corinthians 5 21 nkjv We do not have to allow our fleshly sinful nature to rule over us if we continue to walk in the love of God because God's love does not seek its own vengeance by repaying evil for evil. We are born again of incorruptible seed. We are born again with the Spirit of God living inside of us. We must see ourselves in Christ Jesus as being crucified together with Christ, sitting in heavenly places together with Him by faith. We must remember, whenever we accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts, that we became new creatures in Christ Jesus spiritually and old things passed away. All things have become new on the inside of us because our spirit is new and we have a new heart filled with God's desires. See 2 Corinthians 5:17. God wants us to learn how to walk in the spirit or in his love, so we will not fulfill the lust of our fleshly sinful nature through the process of renewing our minds to God's word. See Romans 12 1 2. Chapter 9 Replacing the Devil Lie with God's Truth John 8 31, 32, NIV, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Notice Jesus says knowing the truth will make us free, free from what? The devil lies. We must continue in God's truth to be free from the lies which the enemy has placed in our minds. We must change our mind's hard drive and get rid of our stinking thinking by changing our way of thinking for God's way of thinking and doing things. As we approach these end times, it's very important that we understand what's the will of the Lord is and what's going on around us spiritually. We must remain sober and alert because we do have an adversary and his name is Satan, the devil, who's going about like a roaring lion to find someone to devour. He's looking for someone who's asleep and weak spiritually. He a bully and preys on the weak and ignorant. Jesus tells us in, John 10 10, NKJV, that he's a thief and his only purpose in the earth is to steal, kill and destroy. The good news is Jesus has already defeated the devil and he has given us as believers the keys to the kingdom and power to cast out devil in his name. Mark 16 16, we have God's authority to bind things in heaven and in earth and to lose things in heaven and in the earth, by simply speaking his word. His word is so powerful, that Proverbs tells us, life and death is in the power of the tongue. God used words to created things in heaven and things in the earth, and the devil uses his words to created, fear, torment, strife and division in our life. Each time, we believe the devil lie, it will be manifested through the works of our flesh, because again, every sin issue in our lives are there because we are believing the devil lie concerning that issue in our life. Eve believed the devil lie and she did eat. The devil did not physically do anything to her, he simply spoke a lie to her and she believed it and acted upon it by eating the forbidden fruit. Gen 2 16, 17, NKJV As believers, we have the same power to make the devil eat his words, by speaking God's word into our situation and circumstances. We must use our keys of authority to speak to the enemy and tell him what is written. Jesus used his kingdom keys of authority every time in dealing with the devil. He always spoke what his father said and did what he saw his father do. Jesus understood, that the devil was his enemy and not flesh and blood humans and we too must understand the same lest we spend our time and energy fighting against flesh and blood human beings. F612, NKJV, lets us know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principality, powers and rulers of this dark age. We must use our weapon of warfare called the word of God to cast down the devil lies from our minds and thoughts by simply speaking God's word instead of his words, this is what Jesus did in his earthly ministry and this is what we are to do as followers of Jesus Christ. We must say what Jesus said whenever Satan was lying to him and trying to tempt him while he was hungry from fasting forty days and forty nights, it is written man shall not live on bread alone but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matt 4 Whose words are you living on? Your words are creating your atmosphere. Our atmosphere and the lifestyle in which we are living is the result of the words which we are believing and speaking. Remember, we have that same created power to speak things into existence. God gave it to Adam in the garden and he has passed it on to us through Jesus. Whatever Adam named the creatures and the mammals it was so. He named the dog a dog and he began to bark like a dog. He told the cat that he was a cat and it begins to meow like a cat. Whatever you're acting like, is what you believe to be true about yourself. Start quoting the word of God and start saying what God is saying about your issue and remind the devil, that, it is written by Jesus stripes we were healed, it is written that Jesus stripped the devil of all of his powers and he has given us the authority over him, it is written that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, it is written devil. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Chapter 10 Exposing the Devil's Lie Concerning Anger Issues. James 4:1, 2, 3, NIV. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. People with fleshly anger issues, will always try to place the blame on others as an attempt to justify their bad fleshly behavior. They will blame their spouse, kick the dog and screamed at the kids, because they made them mad. The real truth concerning this issue is that, it's their own evil desires to control and manipulate others which is the driving force and motive for their anger. Anger can manifest very destructive rotten fruits or behaviors such as unforgiveness, control, fear, selfishness, strife, confusion, mental abuse, physical abuse, and murder. The real reason for anger unless it holy anger against sin will always be rooted in control and manipulation because the sole purpose for the anger is to gain control over another person will so they can manipulate them into doing what they want. This is why manipulation is a form of witchcraft, because the only spirit which tries to control another person's will is the spirit of our enemy called the devil. Anger really comes from not getting our way. James 4, 1-5, NIV, ask us the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James tells us that we're killing, fighting and arguing because we cannot get what our flesh is coveting or wanting. We allow our flesh to become angry whenever things don't go our way or people don't do what we want them to do. Look closely at what I just said, when things don't go our way or people don't say or do what we want, it makes us angry. I have one question, who died and made us God? It's very important we understand our own issues of anger so we can stop blaming others for our anger issues. Let's take an anger test so you can see your own issues by filling in the blank with your reason why or your real motive for your angry behavior. Remember when you find the reason why, you will find the devil's lie. Make sure, the reason for your anger is not based upon someone else's behavior, because no one can make you do good or bad. Our choices are based upon what we believe to be true. Find the devil's lie in your life and replace it with God's truth by asking yourself why are you really angry and you will find out, that it's more about you than it is about the other person, because the truth concerning anger is that we kill, fight and quarrel because we cannot get what we want. The root cause of anger most of the time stems from our own selfish evil desires and the need to control others so they will do what we want, unless it's a holy anger. As believers we are to hate what God hates, but to love the person. When Jesus overturned the money changers tables inside the temple, he hated what they were doing, he did not hate the people, this was a holy anger. It's okay to be anger and for us to hate what God hates, but it's never okay to hate the person who committed the sin action, this is the difference between flesh anger and holy anger. I heard of a young lady who's always upset with her father, because he sometimes lie or sometimes he not able to do what he tell her he will do for her. She expresses her anger toward him, by not answering her phone or by talking really disrespectful to him when she does. The first thing we must remember about an person who tell lies, is that it's their lies not ours and they will have to give account to God for having a lying tongue, not you, so don't make their lying issue your issue by holding on to their sin and by being angry about their lying flesh issue, yes hate the sin but still love the person and love them. Ask God to give you wisdom as to how to confront this person in love so you can help them. Chapter 11 Ruling Our Own Emotions Proverbs 25, 28, NLT, tells us, that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. It's important that we grow and mature in Christ so we can in turn begin to take control over our own spirit and gain emotional control over our behavior. Proverb tells us, that a man without control over his spirit is like a city without walls. An individual who has no control over their emotions is like an emotional roller coaster, they are unstable and double-minded in all their ways, because they allow life circumstances to dictate to them how they should respond and behave. 2 Corinthians 4.18 NIV, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Whenever things are good, then they are happy and whenever things are not so good, they are sad. It's as if there's no middle ground for an individual who will not use their faith in God and choice to gain control over their emotions. Although our life circumstances are constantly changing does not mean we have to allow our emotional stability to change each time our situations changes. We must spend time fellowshipping with God and in His words so we can learn how to trust in His love for us and become water walkers. We must learn to walk by faith and not by sight before we will ever be able to take control over our emotions. I remember whenever the Holy Spirit revealed this to me about emotional stability. I was ministering with someone on the phone and I began to recognize their mood swings. When things were going good, they were happy on cloud nine. If things were going bad the following day, they were down and depressed. While speaking with them and listening to their emotional roller coaster experience, I told them to turn in their tickets and get off the other person emotional roller coaster rides so they could remain stable. I began to understand at that very moment. How they were allowing the behavior of the spouse to control their emotion. God began to show me, that their affections, emotions and faith were set on the other person's behavior instead of his word and as a result of this, fear was causing her emotional roller coaster issues. She would look at his behavior and say, he's been doing well. She was not looking at him through the eyes of faith, but through the eyes of hers flesh. She was basing his behavior on what she could see with her natural eyes and not according to her faith in God's word concerning his issue. She was walking by sight and not by faith in God's word. She was without hope concerning this issue in her life because she was not standing on God's word concerning this issue. Faith is the substance of things hope for. Her hope was not in God's word but in his actions. She was hoping that he would get better, but she did not believe that he was already better. She was not standing on God's promises concerning this issue, which made her feel faint, tired exhausted and wanting to give up at times. Although she had great faith in other areas of her life, she did not have faith in this area, because she was not hearing or believing God's word concerning this area of her life. We can have great faith for healing and no faith concerning family salvation if we do not renew our minds concerning that area. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we are not hearing scriptures pertaining to family salvation, then we will not have faith for family salvation. We must renew our minds in every area of our lives, especially the areas in which the enemy is waging battle within our mind. If you're having hormonal imbalances due to menopause or some type of chemical imbalances, please receive medical attention and continue to stand on God's word so he can help you to remain stable during this season in your life because Jesus is Lord over our hormonal changes and his word can guide us into his truth concerning our treatment and deliverance. Let us remember that our physical body is his temple, the place where his Holy Spirit dwells. It's the Spirit which raised Jesus Christ physical flesh body from the dead which is now living inside of us which is able to quicken our mortal bodies and cause God's life to be manifested through us and in our lives. God created us, and he knows what we need physically to operate in this earthly realm in a healthy, wholesome way. For he wishes above that we prosper. Chapter 13: Guarding the Gateways into Our Lives. Matthew 5: 28. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I always tell people, if you want to understand how something works, to always go back to how it originally began, because there's nothing new under the sun. The devil cannot create anything, new under the sun. He can only takes what God has already created and perverts it. He takes what's good and tempts us to use it for evil purposes to make money. The serpent gained access into Adam and Eve's lives and caused sin to enter into the world, by the eye gate. He tempted Eve by what she could see. He deceived her and led her to believe, that the forbidden tree and its fruit which God has said was not good to eat from, was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Satan gained access into her life by what she could see and her evil desire to be God called pride. What Eve failed to realize, was that she was already like God, because she was created in his image and likeness. The serpent used her eye gate to gain her attention but he used her own heart desire called pride to entice her to eat. Eve's heart issue and desire was to be wise like God. Her heart issue was pride, the same as Satan who was cast out of heaven for the same sin pride, Eve wanted to be God, being like him was not enough. The serpent only tempts Eve with the evil desires which was already in her own heart to draw and entice her to sin, James 1:14, 15, NKJV tells us that each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Eve allowed the serpent to plant his seed of pride into her heart by convincing her that she could be like God if she ate from the tree of knowledge. Pride in Eve's heart is what led her to eat the forbidden fruit. Pride was the sin which caused the serpent to be thrown out of heaven and the sin which caused both Adam and Eve to be thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Did the devil make Eve eat the fruit? Of course not, Eve ate the fruit because she believed the devil lie and received the devil lie called the pride of life which changed her heart desires into the devil's desires and this is why she said he deceived her. The serpent smooth talked her into believing his lie, the same way he's still smooth talking woman into doing things they should not be doing. Eve believed the lie to be true in her heart and received the devil lie into her heart. The only role the serpent played was that of a liar. He spoke God's word out of context and used it to entice Eve. If Eve would have known how to cast down those evil thoughts of the enemy which told her that she would not surely die, she would not have eaten from the tree. If Eve would have taken the way of escape by running away from the tree, she could have avoided the devil's temptation altogether because God always provides us a way of escape whenever we are tempted the Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 COR 10 13 NKJV no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it the next time you're tempted find your way of escape to avoid sin if you have to run Walk, move away, hang up, close your eyes, close your ears, don't touch or don't taste. Find your way of escape and take it. Joseph had to run from Potiphar's wife whenever she wanted to have sex with him. He took the way of escape by running away from the sin. He did not stay around to see how strong he was. He did not play with the sin of adultery. He saw it, recognized it, and ran away from it. He took his way of escape. How many times have we've been caught by sin, because we did not take the way of escape. Instead of removing ourselves from the situation, we stayed and said, I'm strong I can do this, not without God. When God tells us not to do something, He will not strengthen us to do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's important for us to remember, that God does not tempt us with evil. He's not testing us to see if we will be able to pass the temptation. Chapter 14 Dealing with Offenses Proverbs 19,1 A person's wisdom yields patience, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's important for us to remember, not to become so easily offended by the actions of others because what they do is coming from the issues of their own heart. Their actions and behavior is not about you, it's really about what's inside of them. The issues in their lives are coming from the issues which are in their heart, so don't take it personal, they was like that before you got there, you happen to be the one who the enemy wants to direct his fiery darts at. I am not asking you to be a doormat for the devil, because sometimes you may have to confront the issue. Pray and ask God for wisdom concerning their issue which is being directed at you, so you can deal with it according to the spirit and not your flesh. Yes. They really did do whatever it was they may have done or they really did say whatever they may have been said, and I am not asking you to ignore their part. I am asking you to forgive them for their part since unforgiveness is really so you can be free and it's what God has commanded us to do. That imperfect person who hurt you was like that before you met them, it may have been your first time experiencing them in that light. They will continue to be that way until they choose to allow God to help them to change. Whatever they did to you is nothing personal. It's their issue not yours so don't make it yours by allowing their actions to control your reactions. Forgive others with the understanding that they too are imperfect just like you. As long as we allow others actions and issues to control our reactions, we give them power and control over us. Do not allow their issue to become your issue, by holding on to their issue. Yes what they did to you was wrong, but remember this, it was what they did, it was their sin and not yours to carry or bear. You continue to pray for your enemies so bitterness will not take hold of you. Just because they offended you do not mean you have to take on their offense by doing unto them as they have done unto you. Jesus tells us to take no offense. We do have a choice in the matter when someone offends us. If we take others issues to heart, it becomes personal and it will become our issue too. If the person who offended you, never ask you for forgiveness or say they're sorry, it's their issue not yours. A person cannot apologize for something in which they are not willing to admit to being wrong. Until they're willing to take responsibilities for their own issues and actions and begin to change their way of thinking by renewing their minds, they will continue to deal with those same issues in their lives and it will feel as if change for them is impossible. Until this person is willing to admit what they did was wrong, they will be stuck doing the same thing because they will not see the need to change. These are the people everyone makes excuses for by saying, they are stuck in their ways, they have always been like that. Until one become unstuck in their wrong ways, they will always be stuck in their wrong ways because they will not be able to change their bad habits or way of living without changing their way of thinking first, because the body will always do whatever the mind thinks and tell it to do. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, NKJV, Do not be conformed to this world but be yet transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God if you want to break the cycle of wrong actions and reactions in your life, you must first be willing to humble yourself and open your heart to the ministry of the Holy Spirit so he can shine God's word called the truth into our hearts so the plaques of deception and pride can be removed from our own eyes. If we cannot see ourselves, we will not be able to clearly see anyone else. When we confess our own faults one to another, we can be healed, James 5.16, NKJV. Confessing someone else's fault is not going to cause healing to flow into our lives. We must be able to admit it, before we can quit it. Confession is not solely for God, because God already knew what we were going to do before we ever did it, but it's also for us. So we can see the deception in our own lives and be free from the lies which we have allowed the enemy to sow into our hearts and minds. A prideful heart and lies will always cause us to. Chapter 15 Dealing with Offenses Proverbs 19 1 A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's important for us to remember, not to become so easily offended by the actions of others because what they do is coming from the issues of their own heart. Their actions and behavior is not about you, it's really about what's inside of them. The issues in their lives are coming from the issues which are in their heart, so don't take it personal, they was like that before you got there. You happen to be the one who the enemy wants to direct his fiery darts at. I am not asking you to be a doormat for the devil, because sometimes you may have to confront the issue. Pray and ask God for wisdom concerning their issue which is being directed at you, so you can deal with it according to the spirit and not your flesh. Yes, they really did do whatever it was they may have done or they really did say whatever they may have been said, and I am not asking you to ignore their part. I am asking you to forgive them for their part since unforgiveness is really so you can be free and it's what God has commanded us to do. That imperfect person who hurt you was like that before you met them, it may have been your first time experiencing them in that light. They will continue to be that way until they choose to allow God to help them to change. Whatever they did to you is nothing personal, it's their issue not yours so don't make it yours by allowing their actions to control your reactions. Forgive others with the understanding that they too are imperfect just like you. As long as we allow others actions and issues to control our reactions, we give them power and control over us. Do not allow their issue to become your issue, by holding on to their issue. Yes what they did to you was wrong, but remember this, it was what they did, it was their sin and not yours to carry or bear. You continue to pray for your enemies so bitterness will not take hold of you. Just because they offended you do not mean you have to take on their offense by doing unto them as they have done unto you. Jesus tells us to take no offense. We do have a choice in the matter when someone offends us. If we take others' issues to heart, it becomes personal and it will become our issue too. If the person who offended you, never ask you for forgiveness or say they're sorry, it's their issue not yours. A person cannot apologize for something in which they are not willing to admit to being wrong. Until they're willing to take responsibilities for their own issues and actions and begin to change their way of thinking by renewing their minds, they will continue to deal with those same issues in their lives and it will feel as if change for them is impossible. Until this person is willing to admit what they did was wrong, they will be stuck doing the same thing because they will not see the need to change. These are the people everyone makes excuses for by saying, they are stuck in their ways, they have always been like that. Until one become unstuck in their wrong ways, they will always be stuck in their wrong ways because they will not be able to change their bad habits or way of living without changing their way of thinking first, because the body will always do whatever the mind thinks and tell it to do. The Apostle Paul tells us in, Romans 12 2, NKJV. Do not be conformed to this world but be yet transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God if you want to break the cycle of wrong actions and reactions in your life. You must first be willing to humble yourself and open your heart to the ministry of the Holy Spirit so he can shine God's word called the truth into our hearts so the plaques of deception and pride can be removed from our own eyes. If we cannot see ourselves, we will not be able to clearly see anyone else. When we confess our own faults one to another, we can be healed, James 5:16, NKJV. Confessing someone else's fault is not going to cause healing to flow into our lives. We must be able to admit it, before we can quit it. Confession is not solely for God, because God already knew what we were going to do before we ever did it, but it's also for us so we can see the deception in our own lives and be free from the lies which we have allowed the enemy to sow into our hearts and minds. A prideful heart and lies will always cause us to hide. Chapter 15 Dealing with Offences Proverbs 19,1 A person's wisdom yields patience, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's important for us to remember, not to become so easily offended by the actions of others because what they do is coming from the issues of their own heart. Their actions and behavior is not about you, it's really about what's inside of them. The issues in their lives are coming from the issues which are in their heart. So don't take it personal, they was like that before you got there, you happen to be the one who the enemy wants to direct his fiery darts at. I am not asking you to be a doormat for the devil, because sometimes you may have to confront the issue. Pray and ask God for wisdom concerning their issue which is being directed at you, so you can deal with it according to the spirit and not your flesh. Yes, they really did do whatever it was they may have done or they really did say whatever they may have been said and I am not asking you to ignore their part. I am asking you to forgive them for their part since unforgiveness is really so you can be free and it's what God has commanded us to do. That imperfect person who hurt you was like that before you met them, it may have been your first time experiencing them in that light. They will continue to be that way until they choose to allow God to help them to change. Whatever they did to you is nothing personal, it's their issue not yours so don't make it yours by allowing their actions to control your reactions. Forgive others with the understanding, that they too are imperfect just like you. As long as we allow others actions and issues to control our reactions, we give them power and control over us. Do not allow their issue to become your issue, by holding on to their issue. Yes what they did to you was wrong, but remember this, it was what they did it was their sin and not yours to carry or bear. You continue to pray for your enemies so bitterness will not take hold of you. Just because they offended you do not mean you have to take on their offense by doing unto them as they have done unto you. Jesus tells us to take no offense. We do have a choice in the matter when someone offends us. If we take others issues to heart, it becomes personal and it will become our issue too. If the person who offended you, never ask you for forgiveness or say they're sorry, it's their issue not yours a person cannot apologize for something in which they are not willing to admit to being wrong until they're willing to take responsibilities for their own issues and actions and begin to change their way of thinking by renewing their minds they will continue to deal with those same issues in their lives and it will feel as if change for them is impossible until this person is willing to admit what they did was wrong they will be stuck doing the same thing because they will not see the need to change these are the people everyone makes excuses for by saying, they are stuck in their ways, they have always been like that. Until one become unstuck in their wrong ways, they will always be stuck in their wrong ways because they will not be able to change their bad habits or way of living without changing their way of thinking first, because the body will always do whatever the mind thinks and tell it to do. The Apostle Paul tells us in, Romans 12, 2, NKJV, Do not be conformed to this world but be yet transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God if you want to break the cycle of wrong actions and reactions in your life. You must first be willing to humble yourself and open your heart to the ministry of the Holy Spirit so he can shine God's word called the truth into our hearts so the plaques of deception and pride can be removed from our own eyes. If we cannot see ourselves we will not be able to clearly see anyone else. When we confess our own faults one to another, we can be healed, James 5:16, NKJV. Confessing someone else's fault is not going to cause healing to flow into our lives. We must be able to admit it, before we can quit it. Confession is not solely for God, because God already knew what we were going to do before we ever did it, but it's also for us so we can see the deception in our own lives and be free from the lies which we have allowed the enemy to sow into our hearts and minds. A prideful heart and lies will always cause us to hide. Chapter 16 Understanding Our Self-Perception Proverbs 23,7 As a man thinketh in his heart so is he our perception of ourselves will always determine how we treat ourselves and others and also how we allow others to treat us what you truly believe about yourself inside your heart is how you will see yourself if you see yourself as a drug addict then you will call yourself a drug addict and do the things a drug user do proverbs lets us know that as a man thinks in his own heart so is he an individual who uses drugs is a drug user who has an addiction to a drug what they do, does not say who they are as a person. Our behaviors only show what our fleshly habits and addictions are. One of the things I have found to be astonishing which even goes against society way of thinking, is that it's against their rules to call a child stupid, dumb or ignorant because they knows that the power of negative words can have a negative effect on our children and as a result of this knowledge, they've encouraged both teachers and parents to teach positive reinforcement to our children while they're small. It seems as if the rules changes as our small children grow into adults. The same worldly society which promoted positive reinforcement for the child while they were children, will call that same child who had now grown into an adult, by his or her behavior or addiction. I don't know if society thinks that once a child has grown into an adult that words lose their power or what. Words do not lose their power regardless of our age. It's not okay to call a child stupid and it's not okay to call an adult stupid. Proverbs tells us, that life and death are in the power of our tongue and we will eat the fruit of our words. We will have whatsoever we say. It's always important for us to ask God to help us to be slow to speak and quick to hear, so we can say what he wants us to say. Our words are seeds sown into the hearts and minds of others whenever we speak. If we will allow God's wisdom and understanding to come into our hearts, it will tame our tongues and teach our mouths what to speak the next time you're ready to speak a word look at it as sowing a seed into the heart and mind of another individual and you will be more careful of the seeds in which you sow it's important we stop calling others names based upon their behaviors and actions and start calling people according to who god has called and created them to be if we will start calling those things which be not as though they were in due season we will see the harvest from the words which we have spoken begin to manifest into our lives and the lives of others. It's important for us to remember, as believers, we are must live by faith and not according to what things or people appear to be for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. It's important that we begin to see people as God sees them from the inside out, so they can begin to see themselves the same way God sees them. The same way God used his words to frame the world, is the same way we use our words to shape and frame our world and those around us. God has given us his power to speak life or death. The tongue is a mighty force and it will set our life course. If we can change our words and control our tongue, we can change our life and those around us. We have that same power which raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of us and we too have the ability to call those things which are not as though they were. Stop calling Johnny a drug addict and start calling Johnny delivered, filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding Colossians 1:9, NKJV. If we want to see people as God sees them, we as believers must walk by faith, and not according to what situations and circumstances look like. God gave Adam the power to name every creature in which he had created. Eve did not know that she was a woman until Adam called her a woman. Eve did not know her own name until Adam called her Eve the giver of life. When Adam named her God called her. Every time he called her by her God-given name, he was really calling her into her destiny. We see God changing individual names throughout the Bible, for example, he changed Abram to Abraham, in, Genesis 17 4, 5, NKJV, because he was calling him as he saw him, the father of many nations. God called Abraham wife Sarai who was 90 years old, at the time Sarah, Genesis 17, :17 17-15, because he saw her as the mother of many nations. He changed their names, because he understood the power of his words. Every time someone called Abraham by his new name, and he answered, he was not only answering to his name, but he was answering God's calling on his life. Every time, Abraham answered to the name in which God had given him, his perception of his self was beginning to change. He had accepted God's plan and purpose for his life. Every time someone called Sarah by her name, they was calling her what God called her a mother of many nations. They was confirming her destiny and calling those things which were not as though they already were. They were calling both Abraham and Sarah destiny into existence. They were calling them according to God's purpose. God did not see Abraham as he was in his natural state of being, He saw him as he had created him to be, which the father of many nations was. God did not see Sarah as society saw her, which was too old to have children. He her as he had originally created her to be, which was the mother of many nations. We must begin to call ourselves and others according to what God calls them. We must no longer call ourselves or others, based upon what we see or what we do. We must change their names and start calling them into their God-given purpose. We must begin to call ourselves and others, according to what God calls us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we are heirs and joint heirs in Jesus Christ and it's all because of what Jesus did and not because of what we did. We must accept God's call so we can answer by answering to who he has created us to be. Out of all the bad things King David had done, committing adultery with Bathsheba and having her husband Uriah murdered during battle, God still said David was a man after his own heart, cause he was so quick to repent. God saw David's heart, but men only saw his actions. Privately they judged King David's based upon what they could see and not upon whom God had created him to be for man judges based upon what they can see, but God judges man based upon what's truly in his heart. David actions did not change who God had created him to be and our actions do not change how God sees us or how he created us to be. Like David, we too must be quick to repent whenever our actions do not line up with God's words so condemnation and guilt won't be able to blur our vision and stir us off God's path for our lives. Some of those within his society may have called him a murdered or adulterer behind his back or private thoughts, but God saw him as a man after his own heart. God saw him as he had originally created David to be. God saw him from the inside out. Society may want to call you according to what you may have done but God calls and sees you according to who he has created you to be. It's important that we accept God's forgiveness in our lives, so we too can see ourselves the way God sees us and not according to how society sees us. Unless we receive God's forgiveness, condemnation will always tell us that we're guilty because unconfessed sin causes shame and guilt and makes us want to hide from God's presence like Adam and Eve did in the garden after they had sin. I have good news for you. We do not have to try to hide from God whenever we sin, all we have to as believers, is repent and receive God's forgiveness so we can what continue to move forward toward the mark of the prize of our high calling in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what washes away our sins, not our punishing ourselves by feelings of guilt and condemnation. God's forgiveness always, says that Jesus already paid for what you have done and it also reminds us that he has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west never to remember it again. Guilt and condemnation will lead you to believe, that you are what you did, but forgiveness says, you are who God created you to be. Listen clearly to what I am saying, I am not saying what you did was not wrong, this is why we need to repent, turn around or away from, so we can continue to do what's right in God's sight, but what I am saying, is that what you allowed your flesh to do, is not who you are. So go on and receive God's forgiveness, and repent, so you can walk in the newness of your life. Don't allow others to call you out of your name based upon what you did. Remind them, that what you did is what you did, but you are is who God has called and created you to be. You're an heir and joint heir in Christ Jesus and you are the son and daughter of the Lord God Almighty. Tell the devil, if they can't call you by God's name then don't call you at all. It's important that we learn to separate our identity in Christ Jesus from our actions or works of the flesh, so we do not continue to confuse the act of sin as being who you are, but as something wrong in which you may have allowed your flesh to do. As long as you continue to answer to what society calls you, a drug addict, theft, murder, failure, stupid, etc., you will not be able to answer to who God created you to be, because it will be hard for you to see yourself as he created you to be. Every time we answer to any other name, such as drug addict, felon, stupid, liar, theft etc. which is contrary to who God says we are, we will take on the identity of the name in which we are identifying ourselves with, because what you're really saying, is, what I did is who I am. How you see yourself and what you believe about yourself, will determine how you live, how you treat yourself and others, because, as a man thinketh in his heart so he is. If you see yourself as a drug dealer, failure, liar, stupid, lesbians, homosexual, or anything other than who God has created you to be you will act the part, simply because, we act on what we believe to be true in our hearts. God does not see you as a drug addict, failure, stupid, dumb, lesbian or homosexual, he sees you according to how he created you to be. Until you change how you see yourself. You will never be able to answer when God calls you by your real name, because, you will be stuck answering society calls based upon what you do or may have done. What you do is not who you are, but simply an act in which you committed. You are not a felon, you committed a felon when you broke the law. You are not a liar, you simply listened to the spirit of fear and told a lie because you were too afraid to tell the truth. You are not a prostitute because you sold your body for money, you performed an act called prostitution, it was something that you did, it is not who God created you to be and it's not the name in which God has given you. You're not a drug dealer or a murderer, yes you may have sold drugs and yes, you did allow your sinful flesh nature to kill someone, but those are things in which you did and it's not who God calls you or how he sees you, it's how society sees you and what they call you. God does not judge us the way man does, because man look on the outside but God looks on the inside and see the heart of the man and says that an adulterer and murderer by the name of King David, was a man after his own heart. Our sin action does not say who we are and it does not disqualify us from being called and used by God, because he sees you for who you really are. He sees you based upon who he created you to be. We are created in God's very image and likeness, what an honor! before the Apostle Paul Life was converted to Christianity on the road to Damascus, his name was Saul. He was a strict Pharisee who believed that killing believers was the right thing to do. As Saul, he consented to Christian murders. He consented to Stephen being stoned to death in Acts 7:59 NKJV. God not only forgave Saul for consenting to believers' deaths, But he changed his Hebrew name Saul to Paul and reversed his call from killing believers to preaching to unbelievers so they too could become converted into Christians. The devil had the Apostle Paul deceived. He had reversed his call and perverted his leadership gifts. God's plan for Saul's was always to preach, teach, and reach unbelievers not to kill them. The devil stole his gift for a season in his life. But Jesus interrupted his life on the road to Damascus while he was on his way to prosecute more believers and introduced him to his real purpose in life. The devil is trying to pervert your purpose the same way he tried to pervert Saul's purpose. He tried to make Saul believe that he was supposed to kill believers when in fact, he was supposed to be leading unbelievers to Jesus Christ. The devil wants to pervert your purpose and he's trying to lead you to believe that you're a drug dealer, murderer, prostitute, lesbian, homosexual, liar, theft or anything else which is contrary to the plans and purpose of God for your life. Answer God's call and begin to see yourself the way he sees you, so you can be who he created you to be. If the devil has perverted your gift, turn it around and reverse the curse by using it to glorify the Lord. For example, an individual who has the ability to sell a control substance has the gifts to influence others, sales, marketing, personnel management and money management. An individual who sell drugs is a salesman or an individual who has the ability to operate in the gifts of administration. The devil has perverted your purpose, because you have yielded your members to him instead of God's will. Whoever we yield our lives to, we will be servant to, whether to righteousness or unrighteousness. God will not override our will, or take our gift or calling, because his gifts and callings are without repentance. God will never change his mind about his plan and purpose for your life. He created you on purpose for his purpose and with his purpose in mind. Whenever we do accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, the devil will try to pervert our gifts and callings and we will use them to glorify him instead of God. If we want to know our gifts and our callings, we can simply look at what we are good at doing, look at the things in your life which comes easy for you. Look at those things in your life which everyone else notices that you're good at and it seems natural to you. If you look closely, you will find that you have been operating in your gift in reverse like Saul before he became the Apostle Paul. The devil has perverted your gift and calling and your gift is being used and reversed by the devil. God wants to change your name, so you can begin to change how you see yourself, so you can become who he originally created you to be. God does not see you or call you a drug addict, murderer, prostitute, theft, felon, inmate or anything else which does not coincide with his word. He calls us as he created us to be and not as society sees us. Society will try to force you to believe that your actions are who you are by calling you by what you have done. The Holy Spirit does not come to condemn us, but to convince us to repent when we do sin, so we can receive God's forgiveness and see ourselves as he has created you to be free from guilt and condemnation. I am not saying that we are not responsible for the actions in which we allow our flesh to commit, but what I am saying, is that we are not what we do or may have done. Yes, we did allow our fleshly behavior to cause us to sin, and we will pay the consequences for our actions, because God is not mocked and we will reap whatsoever we sow, especially if we continue in sin, however, regardless of what you may have allowed your sinful nature called the flesh to do it's important not to identify yourself as being what you have done, but seeing yourself as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul walked in his new identity in Christ Jesus. He had to know who he was in Christ Jesus, because before he met him, his name was Saul and he was a prosecutor of Christian believers. Once he accepted Jesus Christ and became a born-again believer, He no longer identified himself by what he had done, he started identifying himself by who he was which was in the Apostle Paul a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and he walked in his new identity by preaching the message of salvation and leading people to Jesus instead of killing them for the gospel's sake. He knew who he was and he walked in his authority which was given to him by Jesus, by the signs and wonders which was performed through him. If the Apostle Paul would have kept identifying with his old identity as Saul, He would not have had the faith or confidence in God's love and forgiveness to overcome his past. He would have lived a life filled with guilt and condemnation. The Apostle Paul was so convinced of his new identity in Christ Jesus as a new creation that he wrote Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, meaning the sin, but sin living in me in, Romans 7:20, NKJV. Hallelujah. Paul was saying that what I allowed my sinful flesh nature to do is not who I am but it was something in which I allowed my flesh to do. The Apostle Paul was not saying that he did not commit a sinful act, but what he was saying, was that the sinful action in which he allowed his flesh to commit was not who he was, but an action in which he allowed his old man, the sin man to commit. He knew who he was because he is the one who wrote 1 Corinthians 5 17 if any man be in Christ Jesus he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new. The Apostle Paul knew who he was and because of this whenever he did sin he knew how to separate the sin from who he was and this is why he also wrote Romans 8 NKJV there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but according to the spirit because he knew that he was no longer guilty for the things from his past life or things as a believers. He understood how to receive the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of his sins whenever he allowed his flesh to sin and walk free. God separates the sin from us because he sees the blood of Jesus, but he hates the sin and loves the person. If we will learn how to separate our sin from being who we are and start seeing it as an act in which we allowed our sinful flesh nature to commit we too can begin to say I receive God's forgiveness and there is now no condemnation in me. I am no longer guilty for what I did, but I am forgiven because of what Jesus has already done. We can begin to walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus so we don't continue to confuse our actions with being who we are good or bad. Yes, you may have allowed your sinful nature called the work of your flesh to smoke crack, commit adultery, fornication or whatever the flesh issue may have been, but the good news is, you're not a crackhead you allowed your flesh sin nature to smoke crack you're not an adulteress you allowed your flesh to commit adultery you're no longer a fornicator you allowed your flesh to commit fornication as a born-again believer you are justified by God's grace and your faith in what Jesus Christ has already done for you you are in right standings with God because of what Jesus Christ has already done for you and not by your works You have been adopted by God and we are heirs and joint heirs in Christ Jesus. Our body is God's temple, the place where his spirit dwells, and our sinful behaviors comes from the sin which is in our sin nature called the works of our flesh in, Galatians 5,19-22 NKJV, in which we were born into whenever the fall came. This is why we must be born again, because we were born into sin. Thanks be to God, that our sin nature is not who we are but an action in which we allow our flesh to commit whenever we don't obey God's Word. We must learn our new identity as born-again believers before we will ever be able to walk in our new identity in Christ Jesus. As long as we identify ourselves by what we do, we will never be able to see who God has created us to be. We must learn to separate our sin from our identity the same way God does. God hates our sin not us. He separates the sin from the person. He knows that what we do is not who we are, but an act of sin in which we allowed our flesh to commit. We can answer God's call on our life by answering to what he has called us to be. I am an heir and a joint heir in Christ Jesus. In him I am more than a conqueror and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is who God says that I am. Whenever we identify with who God says we are, then and only then will we be able to live according to who he has called us to be. Stop calling yourself by what you have done and start calling yourself by who God has created you to be.